Good morning and welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Kareem Kanji. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Today, our guest is an award-winning improv comedian. He is one half of the award-winning two-man no-show improv duo. He is a former drummer in a punk band, and uh, he is a self-described awesome dancer. You could see him in the Netflix movie Polar, as well as the uber-popular Netflix series The Umbrella Academy Season 3, coming out in 2021. Please welcome to the podcast the very funny and always engaging Ken Hall. Not, not every day I get to chat with a, uh, a Netflix superstar. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Right? Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I didn't realize I was at superstar status. That's, um, uh, <laughs> that's very nice to hear. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, you, you, you're not just in one show. You've got like a couple of titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Netflix. Netflix is great. I, there you uh, go. Listen, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Are you based in Toronto? Yes, I yeah. am. I'm just inside Scarborough. Oh, that's great. How yeah. how was your quarantine, pandemic, lockdown ish experience being? It's uh, it's it's been. Listen, in 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 relation to others. Yeah. Uh, not as as uh, as fortunate. It's it's been good. It's been fine. You Fair. know, it's 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 been okay. You know, the 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 walls still look good. Yeah, yeah, nice walls. Um, nice no one's spread a guitar. It's yeah, no one's killed anybody else. <laughs> That's good. Knock on knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, and and we've all been healthy so far. Great. So well, that's the main thing, right? Yeah, that's the main thing, right? So. You know, there's there's ups and downs. You know, at, at the beginning, sure. I was uh, uh, really excited about uh, working from home. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a time that comes after you're like, I, I need to I need to see people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that was like over the spring and summer, so you're able to go outside. Yeah. You see people walk in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I remember back in the spring. I don't know about your neighborhood, but there was like tons of people. Oh. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm in the, in the suburbs, mm. you know, there's people all over and I'm like, oh, wow, there's, there's a lot of people that live here. It's not just, you yeah. know, a, a sleepy uh, uh, bedroom community. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how about yourself, kid? How, how have things been for you? Things have been pretty good. I mean, you know, I've been pretty busy, to be honest. And, um, and uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit more of a night owl. So when okay. I go, it's usually at nighttime. So I'm like. I remember when the pandemic first started or like, you know, in March and April and May, I would be spending more of my days inside. And like, so at night, so I really wouldn't, I wasn't seeing a lot of people out and about because I'm, you know, out late at night, but, um, but, you know, since then I, 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 and initially I quite liked that downtime. I really liked that stillness, the quietness that I I quite enjoyed that, to be honest. Um, Or that was like the silver lining. And just as you were saying, good days and not so great days. 
uh, as well. But I, I've been very lucky in the sense that most, most of my work has been able to go online. So I, I teach a lot here in Toronto. And, and so uh, I, was in, in, I was performing at an improv festival in South Africa wow. uh, in mid-March. And so, yeah, we even had to like cut our, our trip short because <laughs> we, we were about to fly out to do a safari, a three-night safari. Um, but I got an email from my dad saying that the Canadian government is now asking all Canadians abroad to come home while you still can. So I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe I'm going to try and get home sooner than, than later. So, um, ah, so you canceled the safari. I did. Yeah. Oh. Well, I didn't, I, uh, I mean, they still, they gave it, they're nice in the sense that they gave us a, like a one year window. So they're like, oh, you know, it's still, you know, you can come back. We'll honor your reservation basically until March of next year. <laughs> and now it's like, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if I get a vaccine, uh, if I get a vaccine, I would do it, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't feel so bad. I feel bad for my friends that we're, that, that we're going to do it together because uh, I was at that same improv festival the year before that. And so I got to do a safari after that festival. Oh. Yeah, which was super cool. Just once in a lifetime experience. And yeah. This was going to be twice. <laughs> nice. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I, I just, again, like just kind of what you were saying, grateful to, you know, to have like good health and, and to everyone got back safely. And, and, you know, that's, that's what the, the important thing is. And all of this stuff, I'm just trying to consider that it's temporary and, yeah. You know, and, and I'm much more optimistic than, you know, it's the end. It was the uncertainty of like, what is happening? What is going to happen? That was the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I, and um, so, as I said, I've been teaching a lot. I've been doing a lot of career counseling uh, as well. Um, I kind of came out of retirement. <laughs> I used to do that full time. If we wanted to be conversational now or like, if yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about in the actual podcast itself. So let me know. <laughs> this, it's, it's all the same. It's all the same, Ken. Um, uh, so yeah, I, great. Um, I, I used to work in career counseling and that was my main, my main gig. Basically I did that for 10 years and about five years ago, I was teaching at George Brown. I was, uh, I'd sort of transitioned. I'd started off there doing some career counseling, um, and then had an opportunity to teach there. So I was basically a professor at George Brown teaching in a program for people with mental health and addictions. And, and oh, wow. Was, yeah. And, and that was cool. And, and, yeah. uh, um, I, the program that I was in got refunded and restructured. So my position no longer existed. And so, so wait, you, you were teaching people about mental health addiction and addiction, no. or you were teaching people that had, I was teaching people that, yeah, that were experiencing mental health and, okay. and addiction in a, in a very cool program. It was called the transitions post-secondary education program. And it's a, a like a bridging program that I think is pretty much the only one of its kind in Canada where really where huh. people that um, <clears throat> that again self-identify as having mental health or addictions uh, that they they can come back into like a, a, a post-secondary environment to uh, to get some career counseling um, to go through that kind of a process because there's classes that are geared to like who are you who do you want to be what are your values what's yeah you know and and to, be, wow. to begin that ex exploratory process of learning about yourself and then kind of like learning about like what's out there. And so a lot of the people that actually go through those programs end up in like the social service worker program or, uh, or, you know, early childhood education or assaulted women's program. Like it's, 
it's it's really cool to see that so it's like again a bridging program so they're also able to earn college credits uh as okay. well and um so yeah so my thing was again my background is in career counseling stuff so i was teaching more of the career exploration part of that product you know part of that um uh, part of the program and got to teach them public speaking uh <laughs> through that as uh, through that as well uh which is kind of my background too um yeah and then my then the program got refunded restructured and, <laughs> and then i was uh, ironically an out of work uh, career counselor but it's all good because yeah I, i've experienced this so much in my life that when like one uh, when you one one offer like I've been doing improv for like 16 years and I feel like the, the time it's like, it's, it's, it's all led me to be here. So it's not like, I'm like, Oh no, what do I do now? It was like, I'd already been um, working in film and TV. Uh, you know, I'd already been quite established, like doing improv and sketch comedy and touring with my comedy partner and such. So it was like, everything kind of lined up. And around that time, I, I, um, I was asked if I, uh, to understudy for, second city for their tour company and for their educational company and um and again not too long after that that's when i had my my first really big break which was uh, uh to be a series regular on a show called people of earth uh yeah yeah yes and and you know greg daniels white snack and like on a guest hire like just this litany of like amazing time. so it, it was weird because like the career counseling finished but then other possibilities my trajectory it was just like it just made sense. It wasn't like panic and fear um, because there was other opportunities that were literally just right at that same, at that same time. And, and uh, so it's strange how life works in that, in that way. So, uh, wow. and, that, and that had been like five years ago. So I hadn't worked in the field for five years. And back in the, in, in the summer, uh, late spring, I was like thinking of like, I want to do something. I want to, I want to be active. I want to help. And, um, and I thought about it, like, well, I've got this skill set that I haven't used in five years that would be very helpful right now for so many people, especially sure. like, you know, like in my community, like the improv and comedy community and such where there aren't any physical stages that we can really jump into. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, so I put it out on my social media at the start of June that I was offering free employment counseling or donation only employment counseling. And I've been working with people, about 50 people <laughs> since June. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it has been great. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I love helping people. And um, it's interesting. <laughs> I feel like I do a better job at career counseling now than I did. Because I've just had so many life experiences. And, and you know, I've done, I've done a lot of personal work on myself as well. So I'm yeah. like, to bring kind of like more of me to the work, <laughs> you know. And I also feel that I'm like, great, like I'm not this is my full-time gig. <laughs> like I love acting and performing and that's yeah. the great thing that I, I, but I love doing this as well. So I'm just a big fan of being, of finding, discovering the things that feel good for you and to do all of that. And it doesn't have to be one thing because we're not just one thing. We're many things at once, but yes. that, that's kind of like um, your mission in life in a sense uh, is to find out what are those things that you want to do and who are you and, and oh. to, more of that and to actively seek that out. And because uh, you're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to feel better about life. And, and uh, so, and it, that turned, you know, that shows up in other amazing ways and other different facets. So we often think of like career as being our source of happiness, but it's like, it's, 
personal connections it's like volunteering it's like education and finding yeah. you know more of who we are so so that's what i've been up to nice. <laughs> very long random yeah for that. sure good well that's some it's amazing that you you've sort of found i guess sort of everything sort of connects right you're uh you're, you're at home you've got these skills uh, on, you know, on, on the one hand, you've got like these improv and acting skills. On the other hand, you've got, you know, the, the skills to help people uh, with career guidance. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've got another podcast where we talk to people in the music space, in the music industry. So whether they're musicians or engineers or producers and, you know, a lot of musicians, are, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, they're trying to figure out how do I perform whether it's on Zoom or Twitch or Instagram or Facebook. Um, and so, you know, a, a natural question for an actor would be, you know, how do you take that acting in, in the virtual space? And you sort of said, no, I'm gonna use these other skills to help people and not worry about sort of where my next acting gig is gonna come from and how to sort of keep my name out there. So that's, uh, that's very noble of you, for yeah, sure. You. I appreciate that. And even specifically with the acting as well, it, that's you know theaters like physical spaces are closed but mm -hmm. just as you're saying it doesn't stop you from doing like a zoom show or reading with other people writing stuff um and and what i've also done in, is to train use this as an opportunity to also in you know uh, to learn about yourself for sure but more so like uh, jump into classes and you don't have to be confined to geography anymore. It's not just like, hey, what's in the GTA in the greater Toronto area? It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm teaching, a, I just started teaching a clown for improvisers class through the Making Box, uh, which is a, a really great improv theater in Guelph, uh, sort of like outside of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of my students <laughs> zooms, zooms in from Johannesburg. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> It's like, it's great that, and you know, that you can train anywhere and that doesn't, you know, it's not, it's no longer so much a barrier, like having that, you know, that distance and that space. So, so that's something that I, I've also been looking at it is that, you know, yes, like real physical spaces we can't get into right now safely. And, but there, there's other opportunities that we can be, that we can explore. And, and I also appreciate too, that, it, you know, for many people, one stage, if that is your sole thing for a lot of comics, for example, you know, a stage, whether it be stand-up, sketch, or comp, you know, or, or improv, for example, like that, that's a harder transition because it's not like, oh, film and TV, because film and TV is still happening here in yeah. Toronto. A lot of safety protocols and such are taking place, but it's like, that hasn't really taken as big a hit as live theater. And so I, I can appreciate and I, the people that I've been working with, and including myself within that of like, so much of our identity comes from that experience. Yes, uh, being on a stage, connecting with an audience, for, as an improviser, to make an audience laugh, and when that's not there, you know, it's it can be really hard and challenging, um, financially, but also emotionally as well. Like, who are that's you right. without that? Without that form? Without that stage? Without that direct connection to an audience? You know, and uh, so uh, again, I, I I am optimistic in life generally. I try to. Yeah, we have to be right. That place, I think so. So again, you know, the, the way that I approach it is like thinking of like, what is the silver lining here? Like, what can you also be doing? Yes, grieving the loss of these spaces and this connection and the, and you know, the, 
the oasis like feel for many people that just love doing this yeah. and um, have been doing it for many years. So, uh, and so yeah, again, it's that thing of like, you know, it is temporary, hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, like looking and exploring at more facets of who you are as a person. And so, you know, and cause all of that will come back into your art. It will, you know, it will inspire you. It will make you a more interesting person in that sense. It'll, you know, you'll have more creative perspectives and, and opportunities and such. So, yeah. um, uh, but again, I, I can appreciate it is, it is trying and, and uh, challenging for folks, but uh, that's what I've, it's felt better for me to be like, well, to, to do stuff and to also be like, to do nothing at the same time. Like, sure. You know, I don't need to do anything right now. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix. And like, watch. <laughs> Tiger King, that's it. <laughs> and I'm good with that. I'm giving myself permission to do this because we're in a pandemic and I don't have to, uh, I don't have to try and keep up. Yeah. You know, go to my own pace, but I got to figure out who I am. And what is that? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like for me? Like, how can I learn to care about myself? Uh, you know, and, and practicing kindness and compassion and, you know, everyone is forced off this bit of a hamster wheel. So it's, it's, again, it's an opportunity for a lot of people to be sitting with their thoughts and feelings. And that can be can, hard. Yeah, for sure. Can you believe that Tiger King was still this year? Like it's, <laughs> it seems like something that happened years ago, but it's just yeah. <laughs> this year. I felt like I was still in school back then. Like, <laughs> I know. I, so it, wasn't it the 80s? I mean, he did have a moment. So I was like, did I have a moment? <laughs> You're my right. Son, my son brought it up. Tiger King, remember that? <laughs> that, was, that was a, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I heard a reference today about Tiger King, and I'm just kind of like, like, man, this almost feels outdated. You know, like it's it does. Like, so old. It's like let's talk about Miami Vice, or, <laughs> like, or like, it's it's so man. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how yeah. our relationship with time, <laughs> mm. I think it's so fascinating of like, uh, for the longest time, you know, when like the clocks go back, yeah, you get, you gain an hour. Like I think it's daylight savings time, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm always like, oh man, so many, so many times in my life, I've just wanted to have one extra hour, you know? And so I'm like, I get giddy when the clocks go back. I'm like, oh man, I got this, I this extra time, this one hour. What I'm am like, I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Quite often, I've squandered it. I just squandered my hour. I'm okay. like, I have nothing to show for it. I'm like, oh, let me just respond to this email. And, and, and I'm like, rabbit holes. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, the, the, the problem is, is that they give you that hour on a weekend. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. they don't give it to you like on a Tuesday. <laughs> That's a good where, point. Where you're so busy, you just want an extra hour. <laughs> and you just get sleep. You're going to get rest. You get yeah. the rest. <laughs> so they've set us up, man. They've said it's we're set up for failure. That's, that's a scam, buddy. Yeah, yeah it's a big... everyone goes to bed later on the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. It should be yeah, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday I'm... at like nine o'clock or something. Yeah, give it to us on a on a weekday when we're crazy busy. <laughs> you just need that extra hour to get your kids to another another show or another. Another yeah. hockey practice. You just need some extra time there. We, yeah, or split it up. Thirty minutes on Tuesday, yeah. on Wednesday. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't need it on a, uh, on a weekend. Ken, if you don't mind, sure. I, I started on November okay. the first. I started a joke book. Oh, 
very nice. I was speaking to a, to an actor who, uh, you know, we started talking about, you know, what have you ever always wanted to do? And so he asked me and I said, I, you know, five minutes on a comedy stage. He says, Kareem, why don't you just start? Just start. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got a book. Great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Just hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Daylight great. saving <laughs> scam. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you're, you show you're doing that joke in, and I will be there. I will like be that person in the back there, silent, <laughs> like I was like, there. There, that was it. That moment <laughs> when it all happened, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, and, you know, he, that's what he called his Netflix special. That's what he called. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> light saving scam. <laughs> <laughs> the comedy album. I got the T-shirts. You know. I got the bug right here. Look at that. <laughs> that is awesome. But Ken, you, did you start in, in, uh, in comedy or improv? Did you get started in that as a result of getting laid off in career counseling or? No, no, no. no. How, did, how did you get started? <laughs> Great. I, I wasn't even working and to get uh, oh geez all right no it's great man it's, it's my life <laughs> I, uh, it's all good it's it's kind of a longer kind of complicated story and such but really didn't do a lot in my 20s uh i kind of partied a lot and okay <laughs> really uh i can't really put that on a resume it doesn't really <laughs> partied <laughs> ended up in a sketch comedy yeah, yeah. Well, oh my god all right. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I, I give the abridged version. I, I, I quit drinking when I was 28. Okay. Um, I played drums in a punk band and, and just really didn't have a lot of marketable skills. <laughs> and since okay. you it, it's uh, surprising. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, it was, it was interesting time that that time when I quit drinking was like a real opportunity to be like, to be a bit of a pioneer in a sense. Cause I didn't know anyone who had done that <laughs> before, you know, who had quit drinking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In my, in my circle, in my, you know, sure. that, that scene that I was in, I was, uh, you know, and I, not to say that people hadn't, it's just like, you know, they don't come out anymore. You know, you don't see them at shows and, and such. It's just like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's not a thing. It was something that we, um, that, we, you know, going out drinking was such a huge thing. That was a big part of my identity and drinking for me made me feel normal. And I've always been incredibly shy and afraid person and very wow. uncomfortable with social situations and just being uncomfortable with myself, really. And uh, mm. drinking was that wonderful experience of like, wow, I actually feel normal. I can put a, a sentence together and I, I don't feel so shy. I don't feel in, in, inhibited and I actually feel funny. And I feel more comfortable and confident to to be maybe more of who I th- who I kind of want to be a bit more of, you know, more outgoing. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it got to a point where drinking is such a, it's not a natural state and there's consequences for being in that state. And so the writing was very much on the wall in my late twenties where I'm like, okay, I, I need to make some changes here. And so that was one of them. I quit drinking and uh, I started doing creative writing night school classes. In addition to, you know, volu- I volunteered at a youth shelter in Scarborough, actually. Okay. And I did that for a year because uh, my background was in social work. I, I graduated high school, went right into the social service worker program at Centennial College. Uh, okay. 
room. And uh, I didn't work in the field professionally, but I, I, I graduated. Um, but uh, I, I had, I was experiencing my own anxiety, depression, my mm. own stuff that I was kind of working through. And I, I just didn't feel like it was job ready. And uh, so uh, fast forward, late 20s, quit drinking, um, started to explore other things, was seeing a career counselor <laughs> at the okay. same time. And like, uh, tell me more about what you do. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, we do this, this, and this, and you'd be great at it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, and I, and my first real job was actually in my late twenties was actually as a part-time seasonal temp, uh, for H and V, the big superstore, Young and Dundas here in Toronto. Okay. And that was great. It was like, I always loved movies, always loved music. And uh, so I worked really hard, but that, that was kind of like me. So I, all of this was just an experience of trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. And sort of a bit around that time, maybe, maybe a bit before that, as I said, I was doing creative writing night school classes through the Toronto District School Board. And um, uh, I was loving it. The first time in my life, I actually realized that I was a creative person. I had no idea. And uh, I loved writing. And it was really you know again like something coming from a place that you don't feel like you have any worth it was pretty remarkable to be like wow like this feels good i'm actually and i had some really good teachers that were very encouraging of that um so i did that for a couple of years and then uh I, I was going through the course calendar and land, i wanted to do something else in, okay. in addition to the creative writing and that's when i landed on the theater page and like beginner's drama <laughs> and i got really scared and really excited and then next time I knew I signed up, it was the day before registration was going to end. And I just like, I just signed up. It was a weird out-of-body experience. I can still see myself filling this out. I can still feel the feelings of what it was like. And that was about maybe 16, 17 years ago. Because it was so, it was so revolutionary. It was in, in incredibly in contrast to how I saw myself. Uh, and yeah. What, what was possible uh, for me because I was living... Um, uh, with labels, I was living with a, a, an ideal of what I, who I thought I was and what I was, po you know, and what was possible for me. And okay. so the next thing I did, I signed up. I didn't tell anyone. And uh, until about halfway through, and I told my best friend <laughs> over dinner that I was like, yeah, man, for the past like seven weeks, I got something to tell you that I've been doing acting classes, <laughs> like you know, beginning drama classes. And he's like, great, man, you should be doing that years ago. Um, but it, it felt like it would, if I didn't want anyone to, uh, I felt very fragile back then. It was very, sure. um, it was like incubating this. I was trying to keep it safe. And, uh, and, uh, as soon as I started, I was like, I love this because that for me, for so much of my life, that freedom of play, of playing pretend and connection with other people in a non-judgmental space, it not only did it feel good, but it was it was so affirming for me as a person and, and to and that was it. I'm just like, I gotta keep doing it. I'd signed up for an intermediate class, not enough people had signed up for it. So I'm like, I can't stop. <laughs> I gotta keep doing and and uh someone was like, You're pretty good, man. You should go to Second City. And uh I grew up watching SCTV. Yeah. You know, Eugene Levy is like one of the most amazing people that just I laughed just at his face like an eyebrow goes up and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Look at that eyebrow. Like he's <laughs> such a naturally funny person. And everyone on that show were like really huge, like comedy, um, like inspirations for me. And me and my brother, we'd be like, we do bits the whole time, you know, we, <laughs> and it was great fun. Um, and uh, so then I signed up for a Lovelake class at Second City and that was 16 years ago and I just never stopped. Wow. And, yeah. 
<laughs> and it's the best thing in the world. It really is so transformative uh, for myself, but I know the experience for a lot of other people that have various kinds of anxieties or um, feeling just uncomfortable with who they are. And But there's a space and improv is that thing that can really build a bridge for you to feel better about who you are. And you don't have to be a call and mockery uh, you just find out who you are and you bring the, the ideas and the rules of improv into your life. The mm -hmm. idea of saying yes to things, being open to things, trying things, being open to change, seeking change, yeah. supporting other people. It's, it's, it's great rules to live, uh, to live life by. You yeah. want, was it uh, the newcomer award in comedy or something like that, that you won? What was that? Yeah. That was in 2014 <clears throat> um, for the Canadian comedy awards. I won uh, for best breakout artist. And how long were you actually working in the space, like honing your craft? And how long have you been, had you been doing that before winning this award? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I, I think probably because I'd been doing improv for several years before that. Um, but it, it, I guess one of the other really big markers in my life and my career was working with my comedy partner and best friend Isaac Kessler, the other half of Two Man No Show. Yeah. And, uh, we start our first show was the Toronto Fringe Festival back in 2009. And so I, I like for for me, I, and I done, I jumped into like tons of, I'd done tons of <laughs> live improv shows up until then, but I still felt pretty green, like to do an actual show, to put on your own show and, and, for, and for people to like it. <laughs> That's a big thing. <laughs> Uh, and we, you know, I, I tell this story often to, to my students, for example, of like, <clears throat> our show was very patchwork. Our name, Two Man No Show, came from the fact that we had no show. And we were just like, let's just say that in our name, that we don't have a show. We want to have a show. <laughs> Although I don't even call it Two Man, they want to have a show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we, if we don't show up, it's in the name. So it's, you know, kind of a joke already. But um, our, our, we were... You know, we graduated from conservatory program. We were kind of out in the in the community for a couple of years of just you know jumping into shows, playing with everyone and such. Um, and uh, Isaac submitted for the Toronto Fringe Festival, and he got selected. So it was really the first opportunity for us to put together our own show, just yeah. the two, just the two of us. And Isaac, especially at that time, he was much bigger. He moved to LA, <laughs> so he's like very kind of like buff and and ah. uh, very very healthy and such. But uh, like for me, I'm I'm four seven and three quarters, so I'm I'm pretty small, and Isaac is taller, and so automatically people are like, "Hey, we love the Vaudevillian thing," you know, this sort of clownish thing. And our director Mark Andrada, a great clown comedian from Toronto, um, he has a clown background, and so it was just like he really was very encouraging for us to break rules, and uh, we didn't we weren't polished writers, so we would say a joke that we had written. But it wasn't funny, so the audience wouldn't laugh, or at least not every audience would laugh. So we're like, let's say another joke. <laughs> so we were, we were always modifying our script. We were writing our script and modifying it as we went along. We got a bare bones of a show about maybe a month before we opened, and then we got up and we performed. It, it, it goes back to um, our, our, our comfort in improv. And again, like, I, yeah. if a joke doesn't work, I, I don't have to accept that and we were like no we're gonna say another joke then and we'll tailor it for this audience we're gonna listen what do you want what do you want us to do and we'll try and give you more of that 
So yeah. that was a very clown idea, but we never trained in clown. It just came quite naturally to us, actually. And, and I think Mark did a really great job of, of nurturing that and bringing us to the thing. So we, you know, uh, both me and Isaac, we've often lived our lives being considered the underdog, you know? And so our show was really about that. It had a ton of heart to it. And we brought a lot of who we are <clears throat> uh, to that. Not trying to be anyone. And that's something that's been really lovely over the years, which has been gosh, 11 and a half years now as a duo. And uh, wow. And you're still like putting these shows on. Yeah. The two of you. Yeah. We were set to go to Orlando to do the Orlando Fringe Festival back in May. Yeah. But that got canceled. We were going to do our new show here in Toronto for the Toronto Fringe Festival back in July, but that got canceled as well. Sure. And we, so we, and we do variety of like improv shows, like zoom improv shows and things like that. Or I don't even know if what we do is improv really, but it's like Isaac is a maestro of like zoom filters and backgrounds. And so it's, it's our brand of this very clown like, um, mischief mess around, uh, pursuit of play and pursuit of fun yeah so we're not looking for a story <laughs> that's not our intention the stuff that we do <laughs> there is no training center that would teach this as being like this is good improv uh, <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't work but it actually does work for us and we have so much fun playing in our wonderfully stupid brand of making each other laugh doing the most ridiculous things again which is heavy clown we are okay with making ourselves look foolish yeah. and playing in foolishness. And it's so freeing. It's so much fun to just like, let's just play this moment. Let's not worry about a story. We can caretake it. We can, we can craft a story. We still have some context to it, of course. But at the same time, we find a game that's fun for us to play. There's no reason for us to move on to anything else. Let's just live in this moment and enjoy the moment for what it is. And, and it, in some ways, it's, it's unique. It's very unique. There's not many improv troops that are, are, that are like us or comedy duos even. That That's amazing. Like. Yeah, there's another troupe in LA that were close to it. Uh, they were called Jetso. Um, and Isaac been living down there and, and he, they're heavy in the clown in this community called idiot work as well. And, uh, Isaac's like, man, you got to see this group. They're like us, man. They're just like us. So it's these, these two guys, uh, that, <laughs> that again, it's just like, we're, um, uh, we're of the same mindset of like, we just want to, you know, we don't want to not pretend that there's an audience here. We want to bring them in. We want to yeah. invite them in our play. And, uh, and, and that's just it. So, you know, we've been doing it for, for quite a while now. And, uh, um, and I, I love that we've created something that is uniquely us and that, you know, we don't have to get into character to, to do this. It's like, I'm just going to show up and, and if I, you know, Isaac makes me laugh. He's the funniest guy I've ever known. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I like, I want to crack him up. I want to throw him some, some curveballs and stuff, you know, and I want to, I want the audience to have a good time. Like there's no, it's not me driving my own agenda of like, this is funny, right? Audience. Yeah. Well, you, know, <laughs> yeah. Come on, laugh. you know, if they're not digging in, I'm happy to move on. I have not prepared any of this, you know, I'm like, it's not like being training for the Olympics or anything. I'm very comfortable to jettison anything that's not working and, and, you know, put it out to them. What do you want? What do you want us to do? You know? Yeah. So we're following the laps and following the play and trying to, uh, trying to, yeah, give, give the audience an experience. Uh, we've had a lot of times where reviewers are like, you don't know, you're reading the review, but we're like, I don't know what they think. 
because it's so ambiguous because they're almost like trying to think they're they're almost like they're working it out for themselves in the review because and then at the very end it's like i don't know why i liked it but i loved it go see it was them. great <laughs> yeah 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 but they only say that the because they're like yeah this didn't really work or this thing felt real real weird or something this happened didn't make any sense whatsoever but it was the best time i had so, <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's, uh, just skip everything go to the last line mm -hmm. you know yeah and not every we're not for everyone though we've had sure. a lot of you know we've had some great reviews <laughs> but we've had some really scathing ones as well that reviewers are just not into us and it's cool <laughs> It's all good, but yeah. you know, we, we're not playing to the reviewers. We're playing to the the people that are there that want to have a good time for and sure. Want to enjoy themselves. Absolutely. You you've mentioned this term a few times, and it occurred to me that I, I probably don't understand it. Uh, clown. Mm. Uh, and it first came up, and you, so obviously, clown. You you, see, you have an image in your face of, you know, of. Uh, a, a happier joker, right? Not the joker itself, <laughs> that clown, but you know, the, you go to a circus and there's a clown there, right? The big red nose, the big lips and you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, pulling handkerchief out of their sleeve. But you sort, I, I sort of, when I was doing some research before, before this evening, mm -hmm. that came up clown as a discipline. Mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if you could sort of explain it to someone like myself, what does that actually mean? Yeah, clowning is is uh, a particular art form, and where and and often I think people don't know a lot about clown necessarily. Uh, the people think of circus, people think of yeah. like birthday clowns, you know. And um, I guess what I can say is that you think of like someone like Sasha Baron Cohen, yes, is a clown, is a clown. like very, All right. <laughs> you know, like uh, the goal of the clown is just to get on a stage to make an audience laugh that's really just what a clown exists or to make them feel something. And uh, within clowns, uh, there's different schools of clown as well, but generally speaking, it's to, you know, to, it's all for the audience. It's all to make an audience laugh. Um, but it's not necessarily about playing a character. It's about more of like playing games. What games can I create with the audience in real time? So it's kind of, I've described it as, uh, as like pure improv in a sense, like freebasing <laughs> improv uh, in because it's like, there's no, there's no scene partner anymore. I'm just going out there with nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I have an audience that I'm to try and find something to make them laugh. It's so hard. Like that's not a smart idea <laughs> to go out with nothing. I have nothing, <laughs> but I have a desire though. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to commit to trying to find play and to try and make an audience laugh, to find games. And oh. so that's really what it is. And so actors can, can have a game. So you just went like that. You just had a gesture going like that. So this could become a game. Like maybe I'm just going to, you know, scratch my nose a little bit more, or maybe it's going to turn into like scratching my lip or my, my eyebrows. Or I'm going to talk more with my gestures. So that's what I mean about about what a clown is and, and what play is. And especially if my audience is digging it. If my audience is not digging it, I'm going to find something else. Yeah. You so like that, great. Let's move on. Exactly. Exactly. So you can feel an energy when you're performing in front of an audience. You can tell when they're on your side and you can definitely tell when they're not. And the funny thing is within clown, there's such a great freedom to it. Stand-ups actually have this as well. When they're like, you'll find this <laughs> as you start getting out there and working your, uh, <laughs> Oh, working Ken, your I, I, I don't want, it's, it's just a, 
a one-time thing just to get it out. I said, I've done it. I've, I've overcome that fear. I, I have no illusions. It's a great bid. I'm loving this. This is great. You come out. Hello, everyone. This is my first and only show. I'm only going to do this once. Kind of like, you know, I'm a shooting star. I am a shooter. I'm here for a moment. You can't, you can't hold me. You can't, like, <laughs> So, but that's the thing of, like, it's the transparency of a stand-up that drops a line, doesn't yeah. get a laugh, doesn't get a laugh, but a stand-up can acknowledge it. You know, you've seen stand-up. Yes, that's right. Oh, boy, that didn't work. Oh, boy. And they walk over and they scratch out. Yeah. <laughs> that one's not, you know. <laughs> so it's the same kind of thing with clowns. We can we can admit it's, it's a beautiful truth to a clown of like, you didn't like that? Yeah, I apologize. That was not my finer stuff. But believe me, I can do better. <laughs> that admission, the audience laughs just as you did. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's funny. When you admit your failure, the audience is back on your side. It's when we... <laughs> hide our failure when we pretend it didn't happen you know that's when and, and i gosh i've been there i've done that a million times in improv scenes where it's, it's not working and you're kind of like i can't figure it out i don't know so we're going to stay here not going to edit the scene we're going to stay here even longer and it's like just leave just leave start a new scene <laughs> you know and you you know what you know what just popped into my head mm -hmm. you know over the past four years we've uh I don't know if we've had the pleasure or, or it's, or it's been a, a discomfort, uh, an uncomfortable thing that we've been watching with, with Donald Trump and, and all those times where he's giving a speech and he just butchers a name and, or he'll butcher a word, and, but he'll just go with it. Mm -hmm. And people go, what the heck did he just say? What is he, what is he talking about? Um, and then just for the next day or two, all the late night comics are making fun of him. And it just occurred to me, can you imagine if he stopped, whenever he made those uh, verbal blunders, if he had just stopped, right. acknowledged it, laughed about it, yeah. and continued? It's just a scary thought to me that he could have, people would have loved it. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he, could still be he could still be present. He, he could still be present. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's scary. There's such a great... Uh, again, again, I think there's such a great freedom in honesty, in authenticity as yeah. well. And again, we I think we spend so much of our lives hiding. You know, we 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 spend so much of our lives pretending we're someone else. We put up masks, you know, social masks and yeah. stuff. And uh, so again, there was a real empowerment when you can laugh at yourself, when you can diminish your ego and be like. I just messed up. I failed in front of the audience. Yeah. Still survive it because you're okay. You know, and there's no like people who are like, you know, waiting for you after the show to cause you, <laughs> you know, like no one cares. If anything, you're on stage you, people are, I think audiences are much more forgiving because you're up, you're actually up there doing yeah. something. You're risking something. You're being vulnerable. Public speaking is one of the scariest things. So you're, you, you know, performing in many ways is like a version of public speaking. Uh, so, so they're already like, you know, again, I think generally the audiences are more on your side. Uh, and there's going to be people every single show where the arms are crossed and they're not going to dig what you're doing. Yeah. But there's other people. So playing to the people that are giving you good energy and to try to grow that, try to grow your success and trying to get them on board with whatever it is that you're doing. And, and you can be persistent. Me and Isaac, we've, we played all over and uh, we've had a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of different audiences. And that's a big part of what we do is to test them out. 
and be like sort of like taking the temperature of the room and like what do you want what do you like you know and, and so it's building that connection that conversation with the audience and they're talking just as much or they're communicating i should say uh, just as much as we are but they're just not saying words necessarily right so we see you know we see their their body language we you know we see their eyes their expression uh in and uh we hear their laughs and we hear their silence as well mm. and are si there silence doesn't have to be boring as well mm. you know i I've, I've been thinking about this and i think me and isaac were talking about this so that you can hear an audio you can hear the silence there's different kinds of silence you can hear an audience that they're like they're like leaning in there's tension that they're that the silence there's is that they're uh they're in the moment they're connected with you and then there's other moments where you're like you hear the silence because they're bored and they're, <laughs> they're not enjoying what you're doing so it's fascinating there's there's so much to all of this performance and clown is like one of the earliest kinds of performance derived from like commedia dell'arte and physicality and and it's it's a it's a beautiful world that I, I think just uh people have misunderstood and oh. think the images have been reinforced over the years but someone like sasha bear cohen who plays like borat for example i mean that's a, such a clown type of character <laughs> and uh and and um he does it so well so it's uh he's uh he's a brilliant performer it, it's yeah. it's amazing to see you know on the one hand uh we watched uh Borat 2 and I think that same week we then watched is it the Chicago 7 oh yeah that's great and it's like I had to tell my son remember Borat yeah that's the guy oh yeah like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just amazing to go from that character to him playing like a very serious historic character yeah Adam uh, Hoffman though is quite clownish in a lot of ways so it, it in was that role yes because he, he, he is like a bit of a joker and not yeah. taking things as seriously like finding again like a uh uh sort of this subversiveness yeah there's no uh, dick jokes in chicago 7 i don't think there is no i don't you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they, they have a lot on their plates uh, they were yeah busy. they're busy they're busy people <laughs> Busy doing important stuff. Yeah. Um, when people of Earth, when, when you landed that role, yep. was, was that your first, like, that wasn't your first TV role, was it? No, 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 no. Oh, I had been, been doing film and TV up until that point for probably about six years. Okay. But yeah. this was like your first main. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. It was a series regular. And uh, People of Earth was... Um, uh, it was initially I uh, auditioned for a pilot called The Group, and it was about an alien abductee support group, and I played one of the aliens, Jeff the Gray, with the big gray-headed, you know, yeah. big dark eyes kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, we shot the pilot, and it was great. I mean, it was just such an amazing, like, it was so different from anything that I'd done before. And again, I've done like guest star roles. I was in a uh, a couple of feature films, you know, more like kind of like indie-ish things. I did a Hallmark movie um, and a variety, of, a variety of stuff. A lot of elf roles. I really uh, dabbled in that world quite, quite a lot, you know. So this one was, uh, this one was different. This one was like with, again, like Greg Daniels, who created the, um, 
the office, the American office and King yeah, of the yeah. Hill. He's Conan O'Brien's writing partner. And Conan O'Brien is one of the executive producers of the show, as is Greg Daniels. He was also directing, you know, the, the pilot episode. And again, with like SNL alumni and like great stand-up comics like Wyatt and, and uh, you know, Alice and like Oscar Nunez from the office. Like it's so- Yeah, that's like, right. I really be here? Like, <laughs> does anyone want a coffee? Cause I, would, I should probably be getting people coffee and like, you know. <laughs> Um, but it was a great fit and it was a lovely thing. It was an incredible experience because it really helped me to feel that there was a place for me hmm. um, in comedy, in TV, uh, where I was actually like looking at myself and being like, okay, I'm actually pretty good. <laughs> or at least I would say I'm okay. I haven't gotten fired yet. And that was my whole thing. Don't get fired. Just don't get fired. Uh, so if I had a locker, I would, I, I wouldn't, I would have cleared it out every day. Cause I'm like, yeah, you probably don't need me back here. <laughs> process, the experience of doing it. Um, it was really like, there's no place, there's no better place to learn than actually doing it and to be on set. And it's a pressure situation. Anytime you're on set, it's a pressure situation. Cause you have, uh, tons of people that are relying on you to do your thing. And so knowing your lines, knowing the scene, knowing the blocking, knowing the action, playing off everyone, there's so many variables. And I was under this prosthetic. That, For the whole day? Yeah. Like you can't take it off. No. You take it off. It is glued on my head. Yeah. And it, it like the, the nostrils for Jeff were actually above my nostrils. So I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I actually actually had to um, I either breathe through my mouth or we kind of like, we we found a way because we sort of did some fine tuning to not glue part of the prosthetic down on my, like kind of going over from my, my eyes to my cheeks. So there's a little kind of like a little channel of air that would, that would come in through my eye sockets <laughs> into my nose. So and it was hot under there. Whew, it was really, it's boiling. And I can't hear because the prosthetic is covering my ears. So I can't breathe. I can't hear. And in, uh, right before each take, they would put my, my eyes in basically, which would fog up instantly almost, you know? So it was a, an incredible pressure situation of like, cause I can't really see or hear or breathe. And, uh, um, but that was, and I, I experienced this a lot in life is like quite often the first days, the first parts of life are often the hardest, but stick, stick with it and you get through it. And then it's an incredible sense of satisfaction and achievement that you can prove that under some challenging experiences. And you know what? And, and I say this, um, there was never any complaints with that. As I'm saying, it's like, oh yeah, it was really hot. I couldn't breathe, but in no way ever. Was I going to be like, oh, I don't want this. I'm like, I will be here for as long as you want me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to love and appreciate every single moment. Because I sure. really recognize my pro I know where I've come from and I know what I've gone through to get to this place. And I'm just so grateful to be here uh, and getting to play with everyone, collaborate with everyone and to do the work. And uh, so there's, there's no complaints. <laughs> I never complain when I'm on set. I'm so yeah. grateful to be there. So... Yeah, what, that was it. It was huge. I'm a fan of of Conan O'Brien. Um, yeah. Was there opportunities like? Do you ever get starstruck? Like, oh my God, yeah. I'm working. Like, how, was he ever around a lot? Or no, he was never around. 
Yeah. Uh, so he's an executive, one of many executive producers. So he's, he was kind of busy at that time doing sure. his show, <laughs> his nightly show. So, because uh, we filmed this up in Toronto as well. Oh, okay. If we, shooting, right. if we were shooting in LA, then that could have been a definite yeah. possibility for sure. But, you know, logistically, they just, unless sure. he did a show from Toronto, uh, which he did many years ago. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but we actually got to meet him because he invited the cast onto the show. Yeah, so yeah. we got to go on Conan, uh, which was an incredible experience. That was very surreal. And uh, as you said, yeah, I was starstruck. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, because again, <laughs> this is so surreal to be in the green room. Uh, like, and, and Keegan Michael Key <laughs> was the guest before us. Oh, geez. So, I mean, you great improv, like, just yeah. heavyweight. And, uh, um, so it was an incredible, like, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, and, uh, the cool thing, I remember like standing, cause there's a bit, people at birth was a huge cast, huge yeah. ensemble cast. So we're all there, like about to go out, we're behind the curtain. And again, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so surreal. Like about to go on a TV show, uh, like a talk show that, you know, you've watched since you were a kid. And, uh, but maybe two minutes before we stepped out, I'm like, I'm like again and I have this conversation often in my head where I get really nervous about shows and you know performing and then about maybe two minutes before the show starts or something happens where I'm like but I'm here and I'm just gonna have fun that's all I can do right now and I'm just gonna have fun and enjoy this moment and then they called us out they introduced us the curtains open and we step out and it was it was I'm so used to seeing that perspective so I look out and I see a studio, like I see an audience and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Oh yeah. And I see these sort of machine, giant yeah. machine looking like things. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It's a camera, but it doesn't even register that it's a camera. So it's like, and I'm like, oh, there's Andy Richter. <laughs> oh, hey, Conan. <laughs> and so it's, it's very natural. It's once you're actually doing it, uh, it, it makes, it just, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it doesn't feel so surreal in those moments because i'm used to being in front of an audience i'm used to that perspective that landscape of like oh yeah this is familiar territory it, it, the only thing is different is conan o'brien's there <laughs> and Andy yeah Lincoln. um so yeah it's uh it, that was that was the time that i, I got to meet conan <laughs> and it was great that is awesome i made him laugh too i made him laugh and that felt great there you go yeah that was it we can go to Perfect. commercial now because i made conan laugh and uh yeah, that was a, it was a lovely memory, but, and that show in particular, like People of Earth, the fans were really incredible and I had so many amazing experiences, like to get to go down to San Diego for Comic-Con and to meet fans. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, that show in particular was like, had a really great fan base and real like, because uh, it was a quirky show. It was like a, a lovely, heartfelt, different kind of show. And I, I think the, the people that got it really loved it and, and made an impact on them as well. So the, again, to get that kind of experience, to know that the work that you're doing matters and means something to people uh, and helps them in their lives. For me, I'm like, that's, that is payment. Uh, that is payment right there. That's awesome. Tell me about how the Umbrella, actually, no, before we get to the Umbrella Academy. Yep. Um, your um your scene in polar mm -hmm. did you was that you was it written that was that's just an awesome scene. Right? <laughs> yeah i didn't write that scene but that 
Yeah, thank like, you. Was it, it, what, did you improv it? Did you like, was it off the cuff? <laughs> no, all of most of all of that was scripted. Uh, there was improv that I did at the end when we're eating our pear, uh, pear tartines <laughs> together. And I did a lot of improv because we did a lot of takes. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, the director, Jonas Ackerman, was great. He's like, great, let's try another. <laughs> like, uh, so they were very, uh, I really love working with directors that are like, we'll get one that as is, you know, that's written. And then let's improvise some stuff. That was, that was just a hilarious scene. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And it's good because yeah. there's, so there's you, the talkative doctor. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then the main character, I forget his name, but he's like, just Matt one Mick word answers. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, yeah, Matt Mickelson, he's the, yeah, he is the, the main guy. Yeah, it was and, a great dichotomy between the two of you in that one scene. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I gotta say, he was so great. He was such, I was, I, you know, talking about like being a bit starstruck. He yeah. was, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I guess I've like, seen him on like James Bond like he's the, the Shreef you know like he and he play like every character that he plays is like very intense brooding intimidating kind of thing and I'm like I'm expecting that <laughs> to be him you know but he's like and he is he, he is like very kind of like mm -hmm. yeah but he's he's so nice he's so friendly and he's got such a great sense of humor and a real kind of improv collaboration because I was supposed to <laughs> I was giving him an exam in the scene and I was supposed to give him a prostate exam too so at first I'm like gingerly like taking his underwear down because it's Mads Mickelson and I don't want to, like, you know, yeah. I want to be delicate with them and like, and he's like, no, 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 just take it down. No, just rip it. Like, <laughs> like, okay, sure, man. <laughs> so it was great. It was, and, and yeah, so I, I, both him and Jonas, uh, you know, they made me feel, they helped me feel very welcome and appreciated. And uh, so he was really easy to work on. Uh, as well and, and it was a really nice contrast it's a very fun world to live in where uh, he's this retiring assassin and I'm this strange doctor that keeps homemade pear tartine in amongst like urine samples <laughs> like it's such a <laughs> strange dichotomy but yeah so it's uh, yeah that was a lovely experience it was it was great uh, nice. yeah and I got to like play a doctor which was really fun and I got to work with a medical, like a medical prop specialist before we shot that scene. Cause it's hard to do. It's hard to pretend you're a doctor when you're not used to handling stethoscopes. And as it was, it was funny actually, as it was, as it was initially written, it was like these sort of cutaways. Oh, we see him, the doctor's listening to the chest. Oh, the next thing we see him, the light in the eye. The next thing we see him is like prostate exam. So there's all these things written in this, in this scene that I'm like, oh, they're just going to shoot one little thing. And then here we go, we'll set up for the next thing. But it is shot it all at once. Yeah. So like all the way through. So there's no breaks. And so I have to be able to like, you know, handle this stuff as if I've been doing it for so many years. So it was great to, to work with a medical prop specialist to be like, this is how you hold a stethoscope. This is how you hold, this is how you give a prostate exam. So even putting the gloves on, you know, and the little tube and like all of that, <laughs> even take the gloves off. I'm like, so there, there's a lot, in, there's, it goes a lot into it. It was, so I, I felt really good about that because it, it was quite challenging for the day, but just stepping in, okay, you're a doctor. Okay. Like I, could, I played many doctors in improv scenes before, but I'm just miming, you know, and again, I can pretend I'm doing surgery, but you know, yeah. the like when I'm actually handling stuff and trying to make it look real and natural. So I'm not like, 
looking at the stethoscope as I, <laughs> you don't even use it. It's like second nature, right? It's just like writing a prescription. You don't even think about it, you know? So it, it was that, <laughs> that, that was also a really cool experience as part of Polar. That is awesome. Um, the very popular Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. um, did, were you a, did you ever read the comics prior to getting the role? Were you aware of them or? No, I, um, <clears throat> I didn't know about it. I, I was, my, my comic reading graphic novels and such was pretty limited to like G.I. Joe or <laughs> like, you know, like maybe the odd Spider-Man. My brother had some Flash. Um, but uh, yeah, it was after, once I got the role, I'm like, well, I'm going to read this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great. I, such a, <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, reading like the first few pages, I'm like, okay, so the Eiffel Tower is an alien that's going to be coming to life, and they're going to be battling, and I'm like, how do they do that? <laughs> like, how do you fight, <laughs> like the, you know, how do you make that happen? But um, again, like the CGI, the special effects people are amazing. Yeah. It's Peter Jackson's, it's, it's um, what a, what a digital who did like Planet of the Apes and Lord of the Rings and so Peter Jackson's so was like the best of the best. So if there were, they didn't actually do that in the actual show of like having to fight. There, there's some differences between the graphic novel and the actual show itself, but it's just so cool what they're able to to do. And Gerard Way wrote, wrote it. It's such a, it's, I, I really like it because again, you know, it reflects, uh, it's kind of like me. I, I belong in this world. <laughs> in a sense it's like me and Isaac we've always been the underdogs we've always been kind of a bit weird in the sense being non-traditional in 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 ways so I, I really appreciate how Gerard's like I'm gonna really turn this world on its head and like just have all of these things it's such a it's a, a wonderfully imaginative uh world and uh, <laughs> so much different than just like G.I. Joe G.I. <laughs> Joe Cobra okay great like yeah. they didn't really <laughs> they didn't really uh they didn't really go to the same lines that Gerard Way did. Uh, so yeah, really, really fascinating world. Really, really awesome. So I didn't, I only started reading the graphic novels after, uh, after I booked it, after I booked Pogo. Yeah. That was the, the first thing. I, I booked the role of Pogo, uh, or the body of Pogo from like the shoulders down. And uh, Herb came later in that season. He wasn't even, I, I don't even know when they thought of to ask me to be Herb. Um, and because that came episode six of season one. So <clears throat> about a few months into it, my agent called up and she's like, yeah, they want to know, like production wants to know, like, do you want to play a person <laughs> on the show? And I'm like, sure, of course. <laughs> like, and a very small role, but it was so lovely because it was like, it, you know, it, it's nice to play a person, but it, it's just, it was a comedic role as well. And, and yes. that's my bread and butter. And I've been doing that for, you know, forever now. And, um, uh, and Herb is such a lovely, uh, great, <laughs> sort of like nervousy kind of guy. But he's got a he's got a good heart. See him in the game. I'm like, I there's a lot of me that goes into Herb too. So nice. uh, yeah. So were you to the two two roles? You know, see yeah. the different perspectives. Yeah. Were you shocked at how popular this show became? apparently it's it's like one of the most popular shows ever on on netflix oh yeah yeah over the summer the season two coming out at the end of july uh it broke records it broke so many records uh and yeah it's it's very 
it's very humbling, I think. And um, um, surprise, yeah, I, I was down in LA when the first season came out, um, and we had an opening at the, at the Cinerama Dome, which is this big, um, uh, big movie theater kind of thing. So there was like a red carpety thing, and but I, I just had I had really good feelings about it, and and I, I my only concern was like I hope people don't think it's too weird. And I read some initial reviews and some of them were like mixed in that sense. Cause they're like, I don't, I'm not sure about it, but I'm like, well, it's again, it's, it's for the fans. It's for the people that really appreciate these, these wonderful worlds that they live in and such. And, and, uh, and then, and then it really took off uh, from there. And uh, so I was really, really pleased that cause it makes sense. It's like, it, it, it's something for everyone in this show. It's such a, I think it's a really smart show because mm -hmm. it, you know it's it's the storylines are, are are incredibly original um and yet I think they resonate and they're very active in showing diversity and in showing you know people like different people yeah and that's real life and I think people can relate a lot to it and it's it's not one thing either it's not just a you know an action it's not a sci-fi it's it's everything's family drama there's comedy uh, within that as well. I mean, it, it's it's like a real, uh, like the graphic novel really coming, uh, being flushed out very, you know, it's very three-dimensional, I, I feel. It's, it's a fantastic show. Um, and season three, you guys start filming next year? In February, that's, yeah, we just found out recently, they made the announcement that uh, season three is going to begin, or filming for season three is going to begin here in Toronto in February. So have you, uh, have you done any projects during uh, this lockdown where you've done, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, some of the live performances have been shut down, mm -hmm. but there's still like TV and film that's able yeah. to happen. Have you done any of that recently? Yeah, yeah. How's, how's the experience? How different is it? How strange is it? It's a, it's a bit strange, <laughs> you know, when you first go there and like everyone's wearing masks, but you know, um, I was on set for a project I did four days up in Barrie, or three days up in Barrie and one day in a studio in Toronto. And yeah, it was it was kind of strange because you you know you have your mask and you have a little Tupperware thing and you only take your mask off, or the actors are the only ones that take their mask off, like right before we shoot the scene. But we do our blocking or the rehearsing for the scene. Everyone's wearing masks. There's tons of like hand wash stations. Um, it, you know, there's no like craft services, which really used to be like kind of like a big buffet-ish thing because there's, you know, for to feed everyone as part of the show crew and, uh, you know, it's, it's a big undertaking, but now it's like, here's your individual meal. And, uh, I, you know, I got to hand it to them. They've done a really great job here in Toronto, uh, the industry, because, you know, uh, I was working on a show in September and they've been up and running for good, like five or six weeks and uh and no cases and so again people are taking it very seriously because there are so many people involved in a production so you know really minimizing risk so yes. not having you know only having people that need to be there on set you know um can you communicate via other departments like over the phone or, or text or something rather than physically walking over to a department like so they yeah I, you know for me i'm just happy to I'm always happy to be on set, but I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm so pleased that we can, we can make it work that we've been doing it. 
and nice. it's not it's just wear a mask no problem <laughs> no problem whatsoever perfect and i wore prosthetics so i'm good with all of that you know i'm good with the <laughs> i was yeah my prosthetic was uh, uh the mask of all masks <laughs> it's uh yeah nice. but it's great yeah are you allowed to spill what show this was for? Or? Um, no. <laughs> Sorry. Right, there's one. I, there's a um, um, sure one. I don't think I can, but the other one I can. Um, uh, I, I played a role on a great show here called Tall Boys. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's uh, they're in their second season, uh, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I got to do a day on Tall Boys. It was lovely. Great guy. So that's a fun show. It really is, yeah, super cool. Uh, and uh, Bruce McCullough is directing from Kids in the Hall. So it was like, you know, I, I know the Tall Boys guys because they're improv, you know, they're comedy people here from Toronto. So uh, it's great to work with them, but in a different capacity of like being on a set, you know? And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's super fun, super funny and great day. And I booked a couple of, I, I, I booked other projects as well, but they've been pushed back to the new year. Uh, I think that, you know, people have wanted to, you know, continue, but there are some productions that have to be put on hold and, and you know, precautionary things. So, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, good to get to be, get to be jamming and get to be working and um, yeah, and safely. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken, tell me what's one thing most people don't know about you? Mm, one thing people don't, uh most people don't know most people okay uh i'm actually <laughs> i'm uh uh I, I i'm a pretty good dancer i think <laughs> I all one. right i i don't know if people i don't think people like they see me they're like that's a dancer <laughs> is is there a move like do you have a signature hand hall I, move um uh, i have a signature like stretch that I do oh. for shows and I it's something like this I just kind of like put my arms out and just kind of like go like this almost as if I'm like stirring a giant kind of cauldron or something like that you know um and that just like loosens everything up so that's it, it, which now that I think about it, could be a dancer <laughs> there you go with, you know I, I two birds one stone kind of thing I could uh, I could do that but uh, I my brother I mean my brother did a lot of break dancing actually when we were growing up and uh wow. a drummer like it's all about timing and rhythm and so is comedy is timing and rhythm and clown is all about physical you know physicality and what is your body having control of your movements and knowing as an actor what you're proposing to your audience uh and such so it's like this weird kind of like like it all kind of comes together so it makes sense that i feel i could be a <laughs> i think i'm not a right dancer i think <laughs> you know, but so maybe that's something that people may not know there you go. Ken, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Ken can be seen in uh, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, as well as the uh, Netflix film Polar. Um, season three coming up in 2021, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah. Absolutely. And um, if you can find People of Earth somewhere iTunes. online or on TV. iTunes. There you go. Go on iTunes. Check it out. <laughs> People of Earth. And uh, once things open up, I'm sure people could probably find you somewhere at a Second City or somewhere at a French Festival. The Assembly, Social Capital, 
on a dance floor at your comedy debut. There you go. Sitting in the back, quietly applauding, feeling very paternal and very like, <laughs> like, like that's my boy. There you go. <laughs> you could add, add that, add that to your resume. <laughs> <laughs> well, Conan, that's a good question. I, I do like to uh, mentor, and I have a protege in Toronto, and. <laughs> We'll get John Conan, man. Awesome. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Ken, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. That was so much fun. I, yeah, thanks for chatting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a blast, man. All the all the best to you. Stay safe. Yeah. Yeah, you as well. All right, Take my care. friend.